How are how's everyone doing? You guys good? That was a funny moment here. Just so glad for you all, so glad to be here together. And just as we were worshiping this morning, I had a real sense, you know, I'm so glad for everyone that is here. I'm so glad for all the people that say yes to getting involved. But I had this distinct impression this morning, it's really not about us. We do not hold the power. We do not have what it takes to do what God has called us to do. It's about him and I find the power in his spirit. And most of all, I find the power in his word. If you're here today and you don't spend time in his word, if you don't have a a small rhythm, I'm not talking about something complicated. I'm talking about digesting a chapter or two a day that anchors you in your walk. Do that. That is where you will find the power of God. That is where you will find his spirit speaking to you. We can't do it on our own. We need the work of Jesus. We need him to be speaking to us. We don't need it once as some kind of one-time life encounter. We need it regularly and consistently to unfold through our life. So I was away a little bit in March. It was a nice holiday, but I'm looking forward to being here with you again today and diving into this theme of goodness. And I want to say thank you again to Debbie because with her help, we're now moving into our sixth week in this series, uh, Exploring the Fruit of the Spirit. So far, we've covered love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And this week, we are tackling the theme of goodness. Are you ready? Good, good. I was just testing you out there, seeing if you're sleeping. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, Rudy, I'm going to bring it this morning. So it is so critical for each and every one of us to live out the things that we are called to as believers and the things that the Spirit wants to grow and birth inside each one of us. We want the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit to pour out of our lives, do we not? Maybe sometimes we just say it, but we actually want that. I want his fruit and his power to pour out of us as a community. And I want to say that as we're on that journey, it's okay if we make mistakes. Why? Because God loves us. And he is for us. And he does not give up on his kids. We're living in this constant state of growing and learning. As we're on that journey, Jesus Christ is right beside us the whole way, every day, every step. And part of the reason that we can have that posture and that we can relax and kind of learn on the job is because of the character and the goodness of God. Even though it's okay to make mistakes and God isn't there judging us every moment, I just want to say that we are still called to hard work. We're called to commit ourselves deeply as we endeavor to proclaim the work of Christ, first in our own lives and then in the world around us. There's a quote by a theologian and an author by the name of Richard Foster. Do you guys know Richard Foster? It says this, People may genuinely want to be good, but seldom are they prepared to do what it takes to produce the inward life of goodness that can form the soul. Personal transformation into the likeness of Christ is arduous and lifelong. Isn't that encouraging? But it's the truth. It's the truth. Personal transformation into the likeness of Christ is arduous and lifelong. You can't just do it for a few minutes here and there. It takes complete and utter commitment every day, day in, day out, weeks, months, years, decades. The work that we're called to do over and over is to submit to Jesus and to put ourselves in his way, allowing him to bend us and shape us to his will and by his spirit. We want the fruit of the Spirit, to grow in us. 
And we're all collectively called to that, including developing and understanding and experiencing his goodness. A very simple understanding of goodness, or a simple definition, is to be morally good, or to be full of virtue, or to be very trustworthy. And when we're speaking about God, I want to say that that is a true statement. God is good, and God is virtuous, and over and over and over again, the Bible proclaims his goodness everywhere. It's absolutely pouring out of scripture everywhere that you look. Psalms 34 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Nahum 1 verse 7 says this, The Lord is good. He is our refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. As I was researching and reading these verses, it kind of led me to two questions that I want to unpack this morning that I think are going to help us understand God and his goodness in a little bit more detail. And the first question is this. What do we need to understand that will help us place our trust in God and experience his goodness? Say that one more time. What do we need to understand that will help us place our trust in God and experience his goodness? Do you guys want to experience God's goodness? I need it. And a whole bunch of people that aren't here today need to experience his goodness as well. So I have a few ideas, a few thoughts that are going to hopefully help us clarify this just a little bit. The first thing that I discovered is that goodness is a property, a physical property of who God is. And what this means practically is that God does not do things that aren't good. He doesn't do things that are bad or mediocre, ever. God only does things and creates things that are good constantly. Things that are not good or are not virtuous or are not trustworthy are not from him. Things that are not good or not virtuous or not trustworthy are not from him. They have no part in him. Our God is good, period. Full stop. And because uh, goodness is a property of God, it's tied to his essence and his character. The second thing that I discovered is that goodness is how we should experience God daily in our own lives and hearts and as he interacts with this world. Goodness is the primary way that we should actually encounter him. As Psalm 34 said, we should be able to taste and see God's goodness. There are so many things happening in the world, aren't there, right now? Aren't there so many things happening in our minds, swirling around? Aren't there so many things happening in our hearts? I'm telling you this right now. Not all of it is good. Not all of it is good. In fact, some of it is just plain evil and completely against the kingdom and not from the kingdom at all. We have to have some discernment there as to what is good and what is not. But remember, nothing that is not good does not come from Jesus. As Christians, we have to constantly reject and deal with the brokenness in us. And we have to look to the goodness and provision that God has. I want to ask you today, do you give God credit for the goodness and the provision in your life? Or do you think it's something that you've magically achieved? Do we ever get the good things and the bad things mixed up? Have you ever done that in your life? Have you got the good thing and the bad thing mixed up? I want to say this, not everything that is a challenge or is bringing difficulty into your life is bad. 
And not everything that comes easy or is pleasant is good. Can I say that one more time? Not everything that's a challenge is bad. And not everything that comes easy or pleasant is good. That's not how it works. We have to remember to let God define what is good in our lives. How amazing is it that God invites us into his goodness in a way that we could possibly experience it if we surrender to him every day. Let's not be so crazy about our lives and move so fast that we stop, that we don't stop, excuse me, and that we miss his goodness and we see it clearly, even in those difficult things. The third thing that I came across was another definition for goodness that was by far my favorite, and it really helped how I began thinking and defining goodness. The definition that I've massaged a little bit that I came across said that goodness is the nutritious flavorful, and beneficial part of something. Isn't that good? Goodness is the nutritious, flavorful, and beneficial part of something. This is a very good way to think about goodness. So this morning as we sit here, I'm sure that you can all tell from my absolutely massive physique that I'm somehow an expert in working out in nutrition. Can you tell? 150 pounds of fury up here. Woo! You guys are not with me this morning. Are you? Like this, this, this guy's freaking me out. I'm not sure what to do with this. It's true. I am not an expert in any of these things. I have a lot to learn. But I do know that if we're going to be healthy as people, right? If we're going to be healthy as people, we need the right vitamins and nutrients from sources that we can trust. Isn't that true? And then it hits me. We're in this series called Fruit Salad. And fruits have a ton of the vitamins and nutrition that we need. They have all the beneficial things that we need to offer each other and to offer others around us. We find all those beneficial and nutritious things in the fruit of the Spirit. These are the good and beneficial and nutritious things that will lead us into abundant Christ-centric lives. These are the good things that we offer and eat and chew on and share with each other that lead us into healthy and nutritious and flavorful life. When people interact with you and me outside of this place on a Sunday, are they getting that good nutrition or has the goodness been run out and all we have left to offer are cheap synthetic supplements? Are we living our life, another way would be say it, just offering what we have in and of ourselves in our own strength? Is that going to produce fruit? Is that going to offer any, anyone anything that is truly good? Or are we living out of the power and goodness of the Spirit, allowing Him to flow and build things so much further and so much beyond just the natural place we find ourselves in? We need God's goodness and we need His nutrition in our own lives if we're going to understand it and experience it and if we're going to share it and help build it in others. Do you see today how God has blessed you? How he has given you so many benefits in your life? How many of you have had something hard, a few things hard happen in your life? Anyone here had difficulty? Everyone's hand should be like, praise the Lord, difficulty. It's been a heck of a few years. Both your hands should be rising and seem to be like, yes, Jesus. It's been hard. Don't fake it. It's, it's really been a tough season. It's been horrible in a lot of ways. It's been really, really horrible. Um, 
But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, do you see his blessing? Can you see it? Can you do that discernment work and see in the midst of all that, of the trial and challenge, he is good to you? What can we do to offer true goodness, to experience true goodness that is full of beneficial spiritual nutrition to ourselves in our own lives and to others? This leads me to my second question. What does it look like to practically build and extend goodness in our lives as Christ's disciples and share it with the world? What does it look like to practically build and extend goodness in our lives as Christ's disciples and to share it with the world? I want to make three suggestions this morning about how we might do that. The first comes from Romans 12 verse 9 which says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. If we're going to build and extend goodness, the goodness of the love of Jesus in our lives, we must encounter a love that is sincere. Not a love that is perfect or flashy, but a love that is sincere. That means it's free from deceit and it's completely genuine in its intent. We have to reject what Christ says is evil. We have to reject what Christ says is evil. This is difficult because this is not based on how we may perceive or feel morality or right and wrong to be. It's us coming under his authority and coming into agreement with what he says is good and bad and how he perceives morality. We have to do that and then we have to cling to the nutritious, beneficial word and ways of Jesus. What would that look like in your life What would your next step be? What would practical daily or weekly steps or habits look like so that you could cling to that sincere love? So that you could do the discernment work and allow him to show you what is good and what is bad. The second thing that comes to mind is out of Romans 12, 21, which says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As I was thinking on that verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, over and over and over again, spiritual warfare came to mind. Spiritual warfare came to mind. You know that all evil in the name of Jesus is completely defeated? Did you know that, church? Anyone here excited about that today? But we still in our lives, right here and now, have to be up for the constant battle of defeating evil momentarily, weekly, monthly, through the years, in our own lives and in the world. We are here to fight against any other plan, power, or purpose other than God's will. That is who we are as Christians. That is who we are as the church. How much time do you spend praying against evil? And praying for the fulfillment of God's will and God's plan on this earth. As a ratio in your week. Did you take any minutes this week to pray against evil? And pray for God's plan to be unleashed on this place in your family, in your lives, in your workplace? Against the areas in your life where you struggle? Any time at all. What is the good spiritual fruit and the good actions that we need to intentionally take To defeat evil around us. What are those actions that we need to intentionally take. To defeat evil around us. 
as Christians, we say a lot of nice things. We have a lot of nice ideas. But do we ultimately believe that good triumphs over evil? That good is more powerful than evil? And do we actually believe that we have a part to play? Or is it just another one of those nice ideas? I'm here to tell you, God has something for you to do. And it's a work that will be against evil and for his goodness and for his kingdom in this church, in this city, and in this world. You have to find out. And it will be in complete alignment with his character and with his word. The third thing that I came across was from Galatians 6, 9-10, which says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. If God's essence is goodness and God is free because he defeated it once and for all through his finished work on the cross, he does not get weary and he does not get tired. But we do. Anyone here ever been weary and tired? Maybe broken in your life? When that happens, his power is ready and waiting for you. But you're also called to do things like take a nap. Take a nap. Put on some good worship music and sit down for a few minutes for crying out loud. Rest yourself. Open the word. Sit in it. Let it wash over you. Let it breathe life into you. Eat some nutritious food like in real life. Something with actual sustenance that will replenish and rebuild you. Eat healthy spiritual food and literally keep doing that and find those rhythms and habits daily Every single day until you are restored and not weary because there's stuff to do. If you are weary today, what does that renewal work in your own life look like for you so that you can keep at it day after day and you can live your life with the long journey in mind? The, this journey that we're on, it's not a short trip. It's every day. And the journey ends at your last breath. It doesn't end at a specific age or stage. It's until you're not here anymore. We're never let off the hook as believers and we never have, we never do not have another step to take. These verses also call us to prep for a harvest of the good things of God. This is exciting. This harvest is people. It's people coming to know Jesus This harvest is personal spiritual victory over things that you struggle with. This harvest is your own personal maturity in Christ. This harvest is God's blessings pouring out over you and your family and in your life. This this harvest is salvation and so, so much more. All your work and all your prayers and all your hopes and all your dedication will pay off. Are you ready? Are you ready to party with Jesus and have good things happen because you were faithful? That's good news. And it's very, very exciting to think about. If you are faithful, if you do not give up, it says right there, black and white, you will reap a harvest. How many of you are just ready? You're just like, yes, I'm ready. Please, Jesus. I'm ready for a harvest. I need some of the good things of you pouring out. Get ready, church. If you're faithful to him, you should expect a harvest. You should expect to reap the good things of God. It's good and fair. 
And it's right there. And Jesus wants to give us these things. At the end of this verse, we are called to be vessels of goodness to those around us in our city. But especially to give and share God's goodness with each other as family right here at Grand Valley Church. This church is our family of believers. What does sharing God's goodness with those outside the church or outside our faith community look like to those who aren't here today? What does it look like to practically share and extend God's goodness to those outside of this place? But then, what does extending and sharing extra goodness with your church community look like? How can we be good to those around us right here, right now in this space? Some of us, we know each other. What does it look like to be good to those in this place that you know? In a way, maybe you haven't in a while. And what does it look like to be good to those in this place that you also may not know? And to see them, even though you don't know them, as family, as holy, as people that you're going to continue to journey with and commit to, no matter their age and stage. Because they're valued and loved by God and we're in family together. We are called by God to be good to each other. And we are called to care for one another. That's been a lot for us to think about this morning. It's a lot to process, but as we go from this place, I want you all to remember that all these things are available and possible only because our Lord, our God, is good. Come on, church. Our God is good. And all the time, God is? God is good. Would you just allow me to close in prayer this morning? We're just going to take a moment. Just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Before I jump into the prayer, I want you to take a minute and still yourself. I want you to think of all the good things in your life. And I want you to take a moment in your mind and maybe even quietly to form words in your mouth. And I want you to take a moment, a minute, a full minute and proclaim his goodness. Speak the words quietly. Whisper to yourself and proclaim all the goodness that has been over your life. Say thank you to him. Just take a minute and do that now. Call these things to mind in the midst of the struggle. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering and our sin, God, we understand that you're so good that you bless us constantly, that you hold nothing back. God, thank you that your essence is goodness. And thank thank you, God, that we can know you and experience a, a God who is rich in love. Thank you so much for that, God. God, would you equip us to live in your goodness and would you equip us to share it with each other and with those who need your goodness outside of this place. God, would you equip us by your spirit to live in such a way that people see your goodness and your fruit alive in and through us. And so God, right now, we just verbally, we take a moment, we proclaim your goodness in this place. We say, Jesus, you're so good. Father, you're so good. Just like that song that the band sang this morning. You're a good, good father and you hold nothing back from us. You hold nothing back. Nothing to the point where you allowed your body to be broken and your blood to be spilled on our behalf. And God, all we have to do is come to you, place our faith in you, 
and live for you and you have a harvest and you have things that you want to pour into our lives and to bless each person here with God. And I pray that we would see these things realized and that for those who are discouraged or broken, that you would pour your goodness and your life and your love and your hope and your care into them. God, I pray for, pray for renewal and revival over this place. I pray for all those who are online as well, who are maybe hurting or for other reasons can't even get here. And God, would you just pour your blessing out. Your spirit is not bound. Loose your spirit in this place. Loose your spirit upon our city, upon our families, upon our governments, upon the organizations that serve people. God, would we see your will done in this place? Not our will, but your will, Jesus. We invite you here. We want the good things of you to be poor. God, I want to see your good stuff manifest in this place. Not because we're so good or powerful, but because you're so great. God, this is something we want to do together. We invite you in. Help us to see each other as beloved. To lean in towards each other. To serve each other with all the things that are good and nutritious and fruitful. We're so thankful that we can come into this house We're so thankful that we have family that we can worship and learn and grow with and together. And everyone said, Amen, Amen.